Amen. Amen. Good morning. <laughs> I love how the Lord kind of moves things around. And as followers of Christ, He helps us to adapt. And that's the name of the game is adapting. Staying true to the core principle values of the Bible, but adapting. I will say, again, I really truly sense that the church is being stripped down by the circumstances that be to the bare bones of the church. But that's a good thing. We're getting back to the model of the early church. There was no building. There was no denominations. It was just the way. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm commissioned and sent out to share Christ with all those that I come across. And I live an honorable lifestyle. And I praise and worship Him. And that's the heart. That should be the heart of every believer, follower of Jesus Christ. So I do believe and sense that we are where we're supposed to be. We're moving in the right direction. And it doesn't matter the circumstances around us. We're going to continue to press forward and serve our Lord and do what He calls us to do. Amen. All right, with that, if you would stand real quick. Uh, don't be embarrassed. It doesn't matter if anybody's looking. That's a good witness. We stand for presidents. We should stand for the Word of God. We're going to be in Acts chapter 19. We're going to uh, be going through verses 29 through 41. This is part two of our, uh, of our series, Riots Reveal Hard Hearts. I'm very excited about this message just simply for the fact that Every, every time you open the Word of God, it's so timely. This portion of Scripture, in, some, in certain ways, it speaks directly to what we're going through now as a church in this country and at the world at large because of this pandemic. So let's go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and read and then I'll pray for the message. So we're starting in verse 29, Acts chapter 19. And so it reads, So the city was filled with the confusion... And they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let, let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them didn't even know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours... They all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we are really, excuse me, for we are really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had set, said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you again for this wonderful day. Lord, may you please speak to us through your word. Help us to understand it. Help us to rightfully divide it, apply it to our lives. May you be honored and glorified, for you are worthy. We thank you and love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Riots reveal hard hearts. Oh, that's such a true statement. And what is going on in our culture today? Rioting. 
all kind of, I stand for this, my voice needs to be heard. Again, we touched on it last week. The main thing to look at is where is Jesus Christ in that? Is Christ at the center of that? Or is it man's own understanding? Is it man's own intuition? Is it man's own pride that is for these things? We have to ask that question before we go out and think that we should be protesting or voicing our opinion and being defiant in certain matters. Last week we learned how all true work done for the Lord's honor will be met with some some form of opposition. That's just the way it is, right? Once you become a Christian, when you step out in faith, you're going to be met with opposition. Again, if Satan is not messing with you, if one of his little minions, one of his little demons in some way, shape, form, or fashion are are, are not throwing a monkey wrench in your daily activities, then you're probably not a threat. He's not going to worry about anybody that's just a lackluster Christian that doesn't even read their Bible, that has no marks on their knees, they don't got no prayer time clocked and, you know, checked in. And also we know that we're not saved by work, so I'm not promoting that. These are just natural byproducts, or I should say supernatural byproducts of living the Christian life. But if, you know, there's nothing going wrong with your life, you're probably not effective in what the Lord wants you to do for Him. The other side of it is... If you're noticing all kind of wacky things, and it doesn't have to be, like I said, you're getting burnt at the cross. We don't face that kind of persecution in America, not yet. But there may be many other little tidbit things that just mess up, and you're like, what is going on? I understand, this is a spiritual battle you're in, and so spiritual things manifest themselves in the physical. So that's, you know, for me personally, that is the only way I can... I can wash away or I can be at peace with all the wacky, zany things that go on. And the other side of it is, it's just life and we live in a fallen world. Either way you look at it, there's a spiritual uh, aspect to all of this. And whenever you truly live for Christ, you are going to be met with some form of opposition. We also learned last week that a person's greed, when it's craftily promoted, right? When it's a, a diabolical plot almost to where... Uh, you know, the Bible talks about this, that men stay up late at night plotting. <laughs> they stay up late at night trying to conjure schemes of how they can manipulate the situation to work out in their favor. And that's, that's led by greed. That's led by pride. That's led by a hard heart. When, when these things happen, it has the potential to negatively influence many who are spiritually unstable. Meaning, if you're worshiping anything else other than Jesus Christ... When it comes to somebody crafting something to promote to you, to let you know, to to try to persuade your perspective, you're more than likely going to be easily persuaded because you're not standing upon the solid doctrine of the one and only Holy Bible. In God's Word, there's nothing new under the sun. Who loves to read the book Ecclesiastes? I love that book. Right? That's a great book. Nothing new under the sun. It's all been done before in various variations, shades, and forms, but it's all been done. Even what we're going through now with this whole, whether you want to call it a pandemic or a plandemic, it's been done before. Right? 1918, the big deal with the flu when you know it came out. And today, what? They haven't got rid of the flu. All we've been able to do is try to figure out ways to kind of contain it. And that's more than likely what's going to happen with this whole COVID-19 thing. We're going to find a way to cope with it. It is what it is. And that's what what we do. I mean, you, you see pictures from back then. They did the same thing. They probably didn't like it, but they had masks on. It's what they had to do, right? They had to figure out a way. And the death toll was high. If we were back then, the population, it was probably similar to what it is now. The numbers are skewed because there's more people living in the world today, right? But back then... If I was alive in 1918, I'd be like, man, it's the end of the world. People are dying. Babies are dying. People are, it's just, it's crazy. But nothing is new under the sun. These things have happened before. I say all that to say, anyone who thinks that it's a peaceful protest, right? Okay. It could be peaceful to a certain extent, but any protest has the potential of going south at any time. Simply for the fact that not every single person who's participating in whatever protest they're protesting in is there for the same reasons. 
Some people just go to go just to be a part of it. They don't even know. And again, we look at this, the text. I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but the scripture talks about that. Some of these people, they didn't even know why they were there. They're saying one thing. These people are saying another thing. There's just confusion. It's just a hot mess. We see this today. We see this where people don't even know why they're there, but they're there. It's just that, that mob mentality. Let me just go ahead with the group. But we're not insects. We don't just cluster up like a bunch of bees. And even bees are, are smart. They have a function, a functionality to everything they're doing. They're not just going just to go. When you bring together large numbers of people, there will always be someone who's looking to take advantage of the situation. And that's how protests turn violent. And again, we see it today going on in our, in our world right now. There are several main points I'd like us to focus on, and the first one is this. We see clearly that the spirit of confusion is behind the mob mentality of rioting. The spirit of confusion. You and I as humans, we can become confused for a number of different reasons. Misinformation, that's a huge contributor to confusion. Misinformation. We can't even turn on the same or various news channels and get the same information. We're getting different news fed to us by different channels. Misinformation, confusion. When people are given false claims and they cannot sift through the information to find the truth, they can easily become emotionally unstable, confused, which can lead to protesting and riots. Even uh, yesterday, not, it wasn't a riot that happened, but my wife, Veronica, she went to Costco to just get some things that we needed for the house. And I told her, hey, you might as well get a thing of toilet paper. Just, just get it. Let's see what happens. She got there before it opened. It was already done. Fortunately, the Lord had favor on her. There was a couple people, because you can't double up, right? You can't have two carts and be one person. They're going to take your stuff away, especially all those items, right? Those paper items, the cleaning products. So she was there, yada, yada, talking, and finally, somehow, you know, there was a clerk that said, oh, hey, I got this, uh, I got this, you know, uh, toilet paper underneath the thing. The, la- the lady before you had too many, and I got one, so she got one. She got blessed. She said when she left, the line was wrapped around Costco outside just for people to go in to try and get toilet paper or Clorox disinfectant wipes, and they were all gone. There was only about 80 things on the pallet. They were all gone. I mean, it was so bad that she said... The Costco workers were handing them out. Like in elementary school, the teacher says, line up, I'm going to hand them out to you, right? Normally, we could go in Costco and you could just get whatever you want. Well, it ain't so no more, especially for those things, because people have that mob mentality. They're confused, they're scared, and they're starting to hoard. It's almost like, why don't you just invest in a bodet? As much as you spending on all this toilet, I mean, I guess you still got to wipe yourself, but, you know, I'm not trying to get graphic. I'm just saying it's like, you know... Uh, six in one, half a dozen in the other, right? But I don't know. Maybe Europe's got something on us with that. I absolutely 100% agree with this quote from a man named Chad, uh, Sam, Samuel Chadwick. And it, he said, Confusion and impotence are the inevitable result when the wisdom and Uh, resources of the world are substituted for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I think that's very insightful. When the wisdom and resources of the world are substituted for the presence of the Holy Spirit, you're going to see confusion and impotence. And what do we see in our world, in our culture today? We see man's wisdom and man's resources void of God taking the place of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we need to just stop and sit back and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? I'm constantly finding myself in that position, folks. I don't have the answers. I am just a mere man. And at that, I'm a man at times that, yes, shall I say it? I am scared. And then the Lord has to say, Keefing, I'm with you. Keefing, trust in me. Keefing, don't worry. I've got this. But I'm constantly seeking the Lord. Because I'm like, how, how do you want me to tread through this situation? What are we supposed to do as a church, Lord? How am I supposed to straddle what the government is saying but honoring you? And the Lord shows me.
time and time again. But it's the fact that he's showing me that I need to seek him. Even when I'm in that feeble state like Lambert the Lion, like, oh, God, I don't even know if you want me to pastor this church anymore. I'm just ready, you know. He's like, no, just seek me, right? Seek him. Don't seek the world. Don't seek the news channels. Don't seek all that stuff. You're going to get it either way. I'm not saying that there's not valid truth, some forms of it in it, but it don't base your experience on what the news is saying. Because all you're going to do is end up depressed, frustrated, mad, and you're going to be in an angry mood. You're going to flash on your wife or your husband. You're going to flash on your kids. You're not going to be a joy to be around. You know, look at all the people that are depressed right now. So we had this, I'm just going off on a, this, it's relevant. So I had this training. I had a bias training for my work because they're all about now everybody's inclusive and racism, all this and that. They had some specialist, some professor from Connecticut come online. We had over 100 people, right? They're all online. They're talking about all this stuff. And she says, I want you to go in the chat and give one word answer of how you're feeling right now. I'll tell you out of the 100 people that were on, me and only one other person said blessed. Everyone else said tired, depressed, fatigued, scared, nervous, frustrated, angry, not excited, hopeless. I'm like, what? All you, I mean, I get tired, but I'm like, she asked one word to describe how you are. Throughout this pandemic, I'm not going to lie. I have been blessed. I'm not flaunting it, but I'm going to tell you right now, I took full advantage of being with my son and with my daughter and with my wife. And to be home and work, I'm like, that's all good. I'm not tripping. You know, I'm a homebody as it is. But you know what? I'm not looking at it as, oh, man, the world's ending. I hate this. I can't deal with it. No, we find a way to adapt. But I just thought it was interesting that so many people said they were tired. They were depressed. They were scared. There was only one other person that said they felt blessed. That's, that's, if you take that temperature check, that's crazy to think about. So when you look at people around you, how do you think they're really feeling? Probably tired, probably depressed, probably scared. That's where the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life comes into play because you can shed true light on what's going on and they could get the answer that's going to save their soul, but also get their countenance in a better place here and now and not have to live like it's a drag and hate life because I got to wear a mask or use hand sanitizer. Oh, so what? We got to do what we got to do. Don't let these little things stop us from living out your mission, my mission for Christ. Amen. All right. The Bible is clear that Satan is the author of confusion. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 tells us this. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So if God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, then the only other option is that Satan is the author of confusion. That is our first point. The second main point is this. Once a mob mentality gets ahead of steam, no human reasoning can stop it. Once you got people just by the herds, right, going out, looting, rioting, breaking stuff, being violent, being disrespectful, just running amok, human reasoning is not going to stop it. It's not. This man, Alexander, he would try and reason with the now angry, aggressive crowd. The problem was this crowd was past the point of reasoning and they were not hearing anything this man was uh, saying. They didn't want to hear anything he had to say. We see this, clear examples of this today. So you think back into, I don't know when it was, what is early summer or whenever, but the rioting in Minnesota got so bad, right? I mean, you see those graphic images. I'm talking about whole structures, whole blocks burning to the ground. It's like, how it was in Watts uh, back in the day in the 60s with the riots or, you know, all the stuff that happened back east in that time. It was so bad. The victim's family, George Floyd, his own family is on record, is recorded saying, please stop the violence. They're saying that. Their son was the one who got killed. Their son was the one that people are supposedly protesting for peacefully. But yet what happens? It doesn't end up peaceful because 
they don't have, I can't say all of them, but those who you see the fruit, it doesn't seem to, to be that you have Christ in your heart and you're out there for reasons. You're using man-made solutions to fix a man-made problem. It's not going to work. You need a God-sized answer to fix man-made's problem, right? Our problem is sin. We can't fix sin. Only Jesus can fix sin. But yet when people are blind and they're leading the blind, they think that they can use their wisdom and their intellect to fix these problems. But you need a spiritual application, right? And that's what saddens me so much. That's why I got so uh, just frustrated with this whole thing during the summer. It's like, why do I not hear anybody speaking up about Jesus Christ in this? I know there's black folks that know Christ. Y'all marching for this and that. Where's Christ in it? But again, you got to do your own research and you find out the people that are at the heart of Black Lives Matter, they're Marxists. They don't believe in Christ. They don't, want, they don't want this. They don't want you to have choices. They want it to be communist. You know, and that's crazy. That was an eye-opener to me. That was like, wow. But how many people are doing their research and finding out who is behind what I'm following? That's the same. Let's flip it on us. Are we doing our due diligence and our research in the word to really find out who we're following? Who is Christ? Who is Christ to you? Don't go off what I say. Don't go off what Charles Stanley says, though he's a great pastor. I love listening to him. We need to do our due diligence to find out who we're following. That way you can follow with freedom and confidence and know you're doing the right thing. I think if people actually did their research and found out what's going on with some of these these, these protests and these, these, these little things that we got going on in our society right now, they probably would take a step back and say, I don't know if I should really support that. You know, again, I'm all for all races having equal opportunity, but I'm not for people running amok just to do it and saying, because of 400 years ago, I'm doing this. That's a crock. Don't give me that. And don't hire people just because of their race. That's not right either. Hire people because they're qualified for the job. That's what it should be. And end of story. But Jesus has to lead you to that conclusion, not your own understanding. The last main point we have this morning is this. Confusion causes irrational behavior. I mean, that's it. When you're confused, you don't think straight. You know, I used to drink. I'm sober now. It's been almost 12 years. I haven't had any alcohol in my system, any kind of foreign substance in my body. But I remember when I used to live that lifestyle and I wasn't the kind of person that could have one or two drinks. I would be sloppy. I would be a mess. I'd be a happy person, but I'd be a mess. When you're in talk, the Bible talks about this. When you're intoxicated with wine, you're not making rational choices. You're not making decisions that are based on sound intellect. You're at the base level of who you are. You're at your flesh. You're making fleshly choices, fleshly decisions because you do not have the bearing to make a good honoring decision. Your mind is not stable. When confusion sets in, it's the same thing. You don't have to be drunk with a, with a foreign substance in you to make horrible choices. If you do not have the Holy Spirit leading you in your decision making, you're going to be making choices that are not good, that are irrational. Because of this confusion circulating around within this angry mob, many were led to act rashly. Again, the text tells us, for two hours straight, the mob chanted, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. What? Two hours? That's almost as long as a football game. I, I, I watched a lot of college football yesterday. <laughs> I'm, I'm guilty, I ain't gonna lie. You know, but hey, I, you know, I think... The Lord's all good with it because the Lord knows my heart, you know. But yeah, that's almost as long as a football game. Two hours chanting this, saying, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Can you imagine what these people's lungs and their voices sounded like after 45 minutes of doing that, screaming at the top of their lungs? Not a good look. This is an interesting fact. I'm going to share this just because I stumbled upon it and I was just like, wow, okay. This is the importance of, again, doing your research, understanding what words mean, what names mean, and what's the spirit behind these names and these words. We know this is an unclean spirit. This is a lustful spirit that is still alive today, that's deceiving people. 
simply for the fact that there's a Switzerland-based cologne and perfumed named Artemis. It's named that. That's the name of the cologne. I see it when I go in Sephora to get samples or when I did. But when I buy my little fancy cologne, right? Don't worry, it's not named Artemis. I'm not wearing that. But it's so blatant. And I'm just going to say, hopefully nobody's wearing it. But if you're wearing that fragrance, you are literally wearing the smell of deception and the smell of sexual lust and sin on you. That's the name. It's in the name. This was a false god that they worshipped back then. And today they slap the name on this cologne and perfume and say, go ahead. It smells good. They're going to like you. You're going to get a kiss good night when you're done with your date. Maybe even more because you're wearing Artemis, right? You guys seen the, 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 uh, you know, the, uh, the commercials? It's ridiculous. Every dude got to have big old pecs, got a six pack, half naked. The woman, she wearing a bikini top that you can't even see, ain't even wearing no underwear. What are y'all doing? But they're selling it. They're selling that sex. They're selling that sinful, lustful, fleshly spirit. And it's all in there. That's just a side point. But again, if you don't take no time to think about these things, you're just going to think, oh, Artemis, it's all good. I'll just get it for my son. It smells good. He said he likes it. Don't give him that. Get him some honorable. Don't get him brute. I'm sorry. Anybody wears brute in here? That stuff stank. Brute. That's that old school, nasty, funky, like, man, that's that Walgreens $5. Do not get brute. All right. Enough of my rambling. Let's go ahead and get on with the message. So, Acts 19, 29 through 34. I'll read it again real quick. It says, so the city was filled with the confusion and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs who were friends of his sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing and some another, for the assembly was in confusion. And most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander from who the Jews had put forward. And Alexander motioned with his hands, wanting to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours, they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis, again, of the Ephesians. So, again, right off the bat, we see this satanic spirit of confusion at work here. This, went, this was no kind of peaceful protest. This was full-on, I'm not happy with what's going on. I'm not happy with this man Paul preaching and teaching the truth of the way, the truth of Jesus Christ. And then you got your boy Demetrius coming in, rallying up all the silversmiths saying, hey, they're taking from our business. They're not going to uh, buy from us our idols that we make to worship Artemis, Prince, uh, you know, I was going to say Princess Diana, the goddess Diana. So, hey, we're going to stir up this mob and get them going frantic. That's what was going on here. It was bad. It was evident that this wasn't peaceful because this large crowd rushed together and they dragged Gaius and Aristarchus into a theater. And they weren't, they weren't taking them on a date. They weren't trying to get them to watch a show. They were dragging them into the theater to try to kill them. That's what was going on. They were literally ripped these men out and were taking them to go. Once again, we see that the opposition that is caused by the truth of Jesus Christ. Obviously, these men... We're living in a God-honoring way for these people with hardened hearts were so enraged by the truth that was spilling out of them that they went and grabbed them violently and drug them into the theater. It makes me think of Stephen before he was martyred and killed. He was honest. He gave a true testimony to the people of the Lord's goodness of what was going on, of how Jesus was the Messiah. And what did they do? They stoned him to death. They said, I don't want to hear the truth that you're giving me. I'm going to kill you again. The exclusivity of the word of God, it does not bode well with many people. They don't want to hear there's only one way to be right with Jesus Christ. If you don't meet what they think is their way to be right with God, now they're at odds with you. And you're a bigot and I'm a bigot because we believe in one true God and there's only one way. Well, you look at India's culture, they got hundreds of gods. How do I know which one to worship? How do I know which one that I'm not supposed to worship? How do I know how long I'm supposed to worship which God? Am I supposed to worship the cow, the rat? Which one? 
We don't know. And I'm not being disrespectful to that culture or that religion, but it's so true. You look at the Muslims. They don't even know if they're going to get to heaven. They have to go to Mecca. They got to do this. It's all based on what I do. I'm never good enough. Every day, I'm like, man, I suck as a dad. I suck as a husband. It's only because the closer you get to Jesus Christ, the more inadequate you see yourself to be. He shows you your flaws. Not to smear you and not to make you depressed, but to show you, I'm not worthy, but He's worthy. May His grace rest upon me, right? May His favor rest upon me to be that good husband, to be that good father, to be that good pastor. But these are things that only happen when you are revealed the true light of who Christ is. And you can't get that from false religion. You can't get that from your own way to be right with God. You can only get that by the one and true way to be right with God the Father. And that's through the blood of Jesus Christ, His one and only Son. To accept that free gift that cost Him everything, but it cost you nothing. But making the decision, making the, your mind up in your heart that I'm going to serve God the rest of my life and I'm not going to do these other things that many people on the Broadway that are leading to the bottomless pit are on. It's often happened in the history of Christianity that when God moves among His people, when they're serious about their Christianity, it affects their livelihoods and also affects those who do not hold the same view. An example is, if you take a look at the Salvation Army, in the early years of the Salvation Army, when they were really rooted, going strong for Jesus Christ, they were so effective that neighborhood pimps and bar owners organized a skeleton army to oppose and threaten them with violence. They even murdered a few of the Salvation Army workers in their attempt to defy the truth that Salvation Army was bringing to the street, bringing to the, the hurt people, the lost people in that place. And we see that. We see this all together today still. When you stand up for Christ, you stand to be in opposition to the world. You stand to be in a fight. Remember, saints, we are in a fight. We are in a knockdown, drag out fight with the enemy. Do not think you're not in a fight. You are in a fight, every single one of us, every single day of our lives. The reason for this kind of reluctancy to identify ourselves as sinners needing to be saved and Jesus being the only one who could save us is a product of confusion. When you cannot see that you are a sinner at the core of your heart and that you need salvation, that you need to be saved, it's because your mind is is darkened. The eyes of your heart have the veil over them still. You're confused. You're living by the ways of the world and you think you're okay. You either think God doesn't exist at all or you think that you're okay with God because you've done X, Y, and Z and you haven't murdered or raped anybody and you pay on your mortgage. You're an honest person. It's not good enough. Sorry. It doesn't cut it. It does not give you merit, right? We're all fallen sinners by nature. We need the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ to supernaturally come over us and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. That is the truth. Brought about by our own natural man coming into agreement with Satan's lies. That's the confusion. When we come into agreement with Satan's lies, that's when we are deceived. John chapter 8, verse 44 tells us, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. So for us as believers, this, this, this should be, you know, review 101. This is, should be no surprise to us. For when you look at the beginning of the Bible, we see this playing out. All you have to do is go to Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. You see, there's truth in that, because she was going to see good and evil. She was going to see that. You know, do you see how crafty Satan is? He mixes 
a little bit of truth with a whole lot of lie and gets you and me caught up. That's like somebody who mixes a whole lot of sugar <laughs> and salt with a little bit of nutrition and this is this good for you. You're going to eat it up. Right, I got an issue with sweetness and sweets, and my son does too, and we we get caught up in that. Like, man, I'm eating a lot of this, but it's just like Satan. He wraps it up just enough to make it taste good and sweet on your spiritual palate. But if you do not have the discernment of the Holy Spirit, you are gonna fall victim to that and just be like, oh, it's all good. Oh, I'ma just go outside of my marriage because you know it's all good. My wife getting old and she don't look like she used to, and I'm, you know, I got needs that I need to be met. Or, or I'm going to go ahead and cheat on my taxes because, you know, I worked extra hard this year. And, and really, I mean, you know, look at how the government's handling the pandemic. They don't deserve my money. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and cheat. But you know what, dude, get your spiritual antennas on because it's not the right way. We are so good at convincing ourselves to do what we want to do when we want to do it, aren't we? We come up with some classic ways to just wish it away and convince ourselves it's all good. I can do it. It's not that bad. God's not going to. God's not going to be mad at me. Uh, we, we, need, we need to be stop being silly and, and be real about it. The lie's primary purpose is to confuse and to deceive. You know, Kalos does this sometimes. Did you wash your hands in the bathroom? When they just give me that look, I already know. You didn't say nothing. You didn't get your butt in there and wash your hands, man. That's disgusting. Don't go touch your pee-pee. And then come out here and think it's all good after you didn't wash your hands. And you, you know, that's disgusting. But I can see all the time. But it's the lie, right? He's trying to deceive me, trying to confuse me into thinking that he really did it. And then he's going to go touch everything up in the house. No, it ain't happening. Once that happens, not talking about Kalos and his, you know, <laughs> talk about the lie. Once that happens, it's much easier for the individual to be deceived if they don't know Jesus Christ is their savior. We know that Matthew chapter 24, verse 24, talks about Satan coming in the form of false prophets, trying to deceive even the elect if he could, right? That's very interesting. He will try to deceive even the elect if he could. What that tells me is, if you are the elect, you're not going to be deceived because you're going to be able to know the difference between the two. But if you're just kind of playing church and playing house with God, but you're not really in all the way, you're going to be deceived when, you know, Satan comes around talking about this and that. You're going to be moved, like the Bible says, by every wind of doctrine tossed to and fro. Maybe we should bring a canopy next week. I'm getting a little hot. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. I'll try to get through this quicker. Next, we see that Paul wanted to go in and help his companions, but the disciples wouldn't let him. Paul would have been mobbed. Even worse, he would have been killed straight up. I mean, they, they would have took him out. If he would have went in there, he would have been dead. There was no two ways about it. He had already been stoned while in Lystra. And even with these chief officials of Asia, they urged Paul not to go into the theater. So we had not only the disciples, but the government officials that were telling Paul, don't do it, don't go in. We can't allow you to go in right now. It's just not going to be a good look for you. So he had to stand down at that moment in time. We continue to see this confusing spirit at work as, again, like I alluded to in the beginning of this message, some cried out one thing, some others cried out a whole other thing. So there's a, they're not even on the same page within amongst themselves, supposedly protesting or rioting. They're all out for their own thing. So even in their gathering, gathering excuse me, to oppose the work of Christ, this large crowd was confused and divided. Some didn't even know why they were there. What are you doing? I mean, my mom told me a long time ago when I was a kid, nothing good happens late at night. You know? And I was the dummy who was out late at night. Two, three, four, five. Don't even come home. Six in the morning. Come back seven, eight in the morning. You know? Nothing good goes on in those twilight hours. There's nothing good. In, unless you're working graveyard at an honest job, there ain't nothing good going on. And even them, those people, they can't stand their jobs. I had a buddy that worked in the hospital for like 10 years graveyard. He said, I'll never work that again. It was the worst time of my life. I hated it. He said, my sleeping patterns were the worst ever. You know, you're up all night long. 
you want to be up during the day, but you can't be up because, you know, you sleep. You got to sleep. Narcolepsy kicked in. It wasn't a good look. Nothing good goes on in the middle of the night. Stay home. Stay home. And not because of the the order to stay home. Crazy how uh, they're telling us. Uh, well, I think I don't know if it's a business curfew. I thought it was a business curfew. Maybe that's in L.A., but 10 o'clock, you're not supposed to be going out unless you're a central worker. Well, it's what we're dealing with, folks. The blind leading the blind. Some didn't even know why they were there. Simply going along for the ride. No purpose at all but to cause trouble. Who are familiar with sideshows in the Bay Area? Usually happens in the East Bay and the North Bay. Who's ever heard about sideshows? Sideshows, yeah, you know what I'm saying. I'm going to ghost ride the whip when Mac Dre was alive, all that. I mean, that's what this is. To bring it to our level, that's essentially what was going on here. I mean, nothing good goes on at sideshows. You're going to stand there while somebody's doing donuts all up here. Homie, you're going to get smashed on if that fool loses control. You're going to lose your life over watching somebody make skid marks on the concrete. I mean, I'm going to just say it. That's stupid. Make better use of that nice car that you put like $50,000 into other than just... It's like a big little kid. I'm going around in circles. How sophisticated is that? I don't know. Maybe I'm talking smack. I'm just keeping it real. What I believe, that's not right. You're just there to be there. That's what these people were doing. They were just there. We see this every time there's a protest of any kind in our country. Regardless what these protesters are there for, if they're allowed to protest long enough, the situation is going to turn all bad. It's going to turn violent. Like I said, again, you look at the protests that happened over the summer. Here in San Jose, I'm like, why are fools on the freeway breaking people's windows when, dude, y'all stop the traffic. You stop the traffic. You don't break my window. I'm trying to get home. I'm trying to get to work. You're going to run up on my car and smash the window. No, that's why I got this little fire, little pickaxe at home that I, I got. I've been stocking up on stuff, not because I think I'm going to live here forever, but, you know, I got my little arsenal of stuff. I got, I got, uh, you know, I got emergency bags with, you know, things that we're going to need. I got, you know, I got Lumi lights that you put out and, you know what I'm saying, solar panel, you know, solar electricity. I got, you know, emergency radio. I don't got guns, but I do got a pickaxe. And if I was one of those people in that car, if I was not led by the Holy Spirit, bust my window like that because you guys want to protest? Dude, I'm grabbing that axe. Somebody's going to get cut. I mean, that's just, that's crazy. But how can you do that? How can you stop traffic? How is that protesting for uh, the betterment of, of, of all people, whether I don't care what color you are? How is that, how is that protesting that, that cops should be honest? By I'm going to go smash some innocent bystander's car window? It's foolish. Again, I'm just po- trying to point, I'm trying to paint the picture of, that's what the scripture's saying. Some of these people, they didn't even know why they were there. It's just, dude, you just are in the wrong place. You're going to get in a whole lot of trouble. I'm going to just end it like this with this part of the, the message. The Bible is clear that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Mark chapter 3, verse 25. We see that clearly here. It's, it's a shame that these people do not take the time to understand what they are uh, backing up and what they're supporting. All right, last few verses. Verse 35 through 41. And when the town clerk, excuse me, had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash, for you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly, for we are really in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. So this town clerk, he was a local official. He had told the people that they were making too much of this. It was, you're making too big a deal out of it. Call it off. This person was more likely like the mayor of the town or the city of some sorts, right? He spoke sensible words to the angry mob. But let's be clear about one thing. 
It wasn't the man who, claimed, who calmed the crowd. God used this city clerk to calm the mob and end the immediate threat to Paul and the other Christians. Because we know just earlier, the Jew, uh, Alexander, he tried to do it and it didn't work, right? The Lord chose not to use Alexander, but he chose to use this off, uh, official right here. What he's basically saying to the silversmiths was, if you've got an issue, the court is open. Take it to court. I'm not going to get into about Christians and whether or not we should sue uh, other people. The Bible's clear about what we're supposed to do in those situations, but this is speaking of non-believers here. He suggested if the issue was that deep, that they should sit down and have an orderly meeting, an orderly discussion about it and figure it out. They needed to quit shouting and running around and running amok because they were actually in danger of being accused of rioting. And that wouldn't have boded well with the government at that time. There would have been a lot of people dead. There would have been a lot of people in the lion's mouth had they been convicted of rioting. The government was against any kind of upheaval desiring to keep order in the land. The application for us is this. We see the importance here of civil authority played out in society. Right now, there are many people scrambling around trying to defund the police and other forms of government authority. But the problem with that is God Almighty has put governments in place of position to control the rapid spread of lawlessness. There's a reason for government in our society. Without government authorities, our society would be 10 times worse than it already is now. As lawless as it is now, go ahead and take out the police from every city in every state in our country and just watch what happens. You're going to have to get a gun. You're going to have to get uh, a fire axe because you're going to have to defend your little plot of land because you don't know who's going to run up in the middle of the night and try to jack and steal all you got. Well, the Bible's clear, right? Don't store your treasure here or moth will eat, rust will destroy, put it in heaven. But still, nonetheless, if we did not have the government in place, what they do to help society, it would be a whole lot worse than it already is. As followers of Christ, we should adhere to the rules and regulations that the government sets before us so long as they don't tell us to defy God. The example is this. We're here. The reality is, and I wrestled with this and I prayed about it, we could meet in that building. But technically, we would stand to be breaking the law. All those little signs, even the signs that those you know, businesses have up behind us, I don't need to come and put those up anymore. Those are null and void. Because we don't need that. It's changed, right? They went to tier, whatever, the purple tier. So that says, no indoor gatherings of any sort. If I want to be defiant, I could say, we're going to meet indoors. But the reality is, as I prayed about it and I looked at the information, they're not singling out churches it's massage parlors, it's bars, it's any kind of indoor business, you can't be in there. So in all good conscience, after I prayed, I, can't, I could not come to the conclusion that we just stay in that building because the Lord showed me He's going to uh, honor humility, He won't honor pride. He's not going to honor a defiant spirit. We are the church. We are to be a good example. We are to model what true Christianity looks like and true honoring the Lord looks like. We need to honor the government. Once the government says, you're not to worship Jesus Christ anymore, now we find ourselves in a position of Daniel and that they've been telling us that you can't pray. Now, when it comes to that, okay, yes, we're going to defy the government, but it's not at that point. They didn't say you can't meet. They just said you can't meet indoors. So now we're going to have to be out here until things change. And, you know, as for what I see, everyone is okay with that. So you guys are like the Christians in China that are willing to thug it out and don't need a building to be meeting. And that's awesome. That's an amen. And that's, a, that's another confirmation of what the Lord showed me, that you are the real deal. You're not fake Christians, though there are a lot that are out there that are looking for ways to keep their little thing together that it's always been. But again, like I said, the Lord is stripping the church down to the bare essentials of what the church is supposed to be. We're not being persecuted right now, folks. We're being inconvenienced. It's the inconvenience that people are mad about. So what? It's not our home. If this isn't our home, why are we getting so comfortable in that building? 
Why are we getting so comfortable with our services looking a certain way? You shouldn't. I shouldn't. Because this is not my home. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a foreigner here. I'm going to be gone soon. When that time comes, so what? Who cares? It's the heart of what we did where we were at, right? Not, God's not bound by space and time, let alone our understanding of what church is supposed to look like. This, You are the church. This is what it's about. I'll end with this. Romans chapter 13, verse 1 through 5. Let every person be subject, subject to government authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear for the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of consciousness. <laughs> that is heavy right there. That basically said, if you're living right, you don't got to be afraid of the police. You don't got to be afraid of the government. But if you're living wrong, if I'm riding down the street in the middle of the night, I can get pulled over. I'm going to stop. The people that don't stop. I mean, I heard the story right. Dudes on the bike. Police officers trying to stop him. He won't stop. When he stops, he gets off the bike and runs and gets shot. I'm Keep it real. Get off the bike. Yes, sir. No, sir. Do what you got to do. It's as simple as that. If you got nothing to hide, if you're living right... You don't have to fear the authorities. The scripture says that. Why are these people so enamored by police and why the good cop, bad cop? There's good and bad apples in every, in every profession. The reality is, what dirt are you doing? What dirt are you hiding? If you're not legally able to have that gun and you have a gun in your possession, sure you're in trouble. Why you got them pills? Why you got that weed? Why you got the needles? Why you got this and that? You know, I like bumping loud, you know, music that got bass, but I can guarantee you if I get pulled over, I got nothing to hide. It's all good. Check my record. Breathalyze me. I've been sober 12 years. It's not a big deal. The scripture says it right there. May we be those who humbly obey not only our Lord, but the government that he has put in place so that we may be a credible witness. The Lord will not bless a defiant heart. This again reveals pride. He will only work, excuse me, through our humility. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again for just, uh, just the time that you've given us, Lord, to, to hear from your word. To see how relevant your word is in our day and age right now. We're living through these times. It is just mind-blowing. Lord, help us to be faithful. Lord, you're faithful to us. Help us to be faithful to you. May we be those who display honorable noble character lord that were blameless and, and 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 faultless before men may they may they not find any fault in our being may we be those who are above reproach and bring honor and glory to you we thank you and praise you in jesus christ's name we pray amen